All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Searching for Political Identity. Today, I'm joined by Claire Campos O'Neill. Claire, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me today. My pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Just a little tired. We had um, my five-year-old son's birthday party yesterday, so trying to Oh, wow. That must have, yeah, that must have taken a lot out of you. Is, yeah. he your only, is he your only child? No, I have him, and then I have a one-year-old, so two boys. <laughs> they keep me very wow. busy. And you ran for office recently while being a mother. That's That must have been challenging. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, yeah, I, I put my name on the ballot in November 2020. I ran in the Democratic primary to be to try to be the state representative for House District 51, which is like out here in southeast Austin. But um, I would just bring the kids with me when I would go like knock on doors or go to political stuff. If it was mm -hmm. kid friendly, they would just come along and right. my well Cole at the time he was four and he would he would be like oh mom are we gonna go do cards today like pass out Aww. the lit cards so he was my little sidekick he was great that's pretty cool so you were not successful in that race but you learned a lot I assume yeah it was it was a really competitive race um there were seven of us who were on the ballot which I think was the biggest race in a primary for that cycle. And uh, a lot of us decided to throw our hat in the ring because it was an open seat. And the man who had been there, Representative Eddie Rodriguez, had been there for 20 years. So for me, I was like, I don't know, will be another 20 years before this opportunity comes around. Am I going to regret not trying? Mm. So uh, and, I was, and I knew it would be a short race because uh, the filing deadline was in December and then the primary was in March. So I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I can just do it, you know, give it, give it, give it my all. And then I'll either be the nominee or I'll go back to the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, so the timing worked out good because some people will campaign for like a year plus, which I can't right. imagine that, that would have not worked for me, but you know, a couple of months. So I was like, I can do this. I can muster right. up the energy. That sounds better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are some of your priorities uh, politically? What would you have liked to see happen if you had gotten in there? What would you have tried to do? I mean, a big thing for me and a big reason I wanted to run was public education. I've done a lot of volunteering with different districts, and I just see how much teachers give and staff support, how much they care about these kids. And here in Texas, we've had a big push to introduce vouchers and charter schools, this this effort really to privatize our school system. And I think that is just wrong for so many reasons. Um, so I wanted to be the person in the room saying, we're actually going the wrong direction. We need to make sure we're really investing and in fully funding our schools and, and giving teachers the tools that they need so our kids can be successful. Because if our kids aren't successful, they're not going to have a chance. I mean, some of them. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I cared a lot about. Um, there's just so many issues in Texas. I mean, we just don't fund things the way that we should. We we love to brag on how we don't have high taxes here, but it's like there's a cost to that. Like our, right. our grid system failed <laughs> because mm -hmm. we hadn't been investing in it. Our water system isn't the best. Like there's a lot of updates that need to be done. Our roads, you know, are hanging in mm -hmm. there. So I just would like to see across the board us putting our money towards big projects that help the state collectively. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Now, education, that's an interesting one. And I am on my own little search, you know, to firm up my beliefs in education. Why 
what would you say to someone who says, look, I want to be able to just have some money to pay for my kid to go wherever I want him to go. Why, why is a voucher bad? Well, the challenge with vouchers is that, okay. Like for example, here in Texas, um, there's like a basic allotment and an amount that the state sets aside for students. And I think it's around $6,100 and then it's weighted. So you get more money if your child is like, comes from a so a low socioeconomic family. So they, so the school might actually get a little bit more, but let's just call it like $6,100. That is never going to be enough for you to take your kid to a private school. Um, so even if you took your voucher, you're still going to have to um, supplement it with your own funds. So it's honestly really incredible that our schools do what they can with the little that they receive. Um, and the, I think the problem is once we start pulling out money individually, we deteriorate this public good that is public education and we need an informed electorate. So we have a strong democracy. So I, for me, it's, it's telling people, I really challenge you to just rethink that mindset of me, 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 my family, you know, what's good for me Mm -hmm. is all that I care about. I would like to see us return more to a public communal uh, mindset and see the value in that. Like, sure, you might do well in your family, but if other people aren't, it's it will impact you somehow. Like if we don't have kids who are educated and can't get good jobs, what are they going to do? They're probably going to turn to crime. And what if your house gets broken into, you're going to be pissed off about that. So right. let's just give that, let, let's give them tools so they don't feel as though that's their only option. So they can you know be productive members of society. So I guess that is the big difference between Democrats and Republicans. You know, Republicans really have it. The family is the end all be all right. And it's like in this house or this apartment, whatever it may be, you know, all we need to do is take care of each other. And if everybody does that, the world, the country will be good. I guess that's the Republican philosophy, right? Yeah, I can see that. I think the challenge with that, though, is it's just very short sighted. It, It doesn't it's 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 just not realistic for, for, for our country, because you have plenty of people who, who just like might not have the means to take care of their family the way they would like to, because they don't have a high school degree, or maybe they came from a family that, you know, didn't have the opportunities that Republicans wish everyone could have, you know, Mm. you have like single mothers and you have women who are having babies when they're teenagers. I mean, what chance do they have? It's really, really hard for them Mm -hmm. because they're, while I'm sure they would love their kids to have great things, like they need support, they need help. So yeah, it's this very narrow mindset of family. It's like, there's all kinds of different families. So let's be realistic, account for that. And then create policies that actually work for all of us. That's pretty good. So what, but what about the conservative who says, look, I just don't want the federal government dictating what my kids learn. I don't know. What about what do and what do you think about homeschooling? I I I mean, should it be allowed? Well, I think at the end of the day, like I do think families should be allowed to decide what works for them. I think the problem that we're encountering now, specifically in Texas and really nationally, is that some parents want to decide what my because they don't like that for their kid. They don't want it for any kids. And I have a real issue with that, like a big problem. is like in Texas, we're seeing a lot of book bans. We're seeing a lot of parents say, oh, well, we got to get rid of this book and that book and that book. And it's like, you don't understand. Like, it's just available in the library. It could be really beneficial for 
a child who needs help, you know, figuring out their gender identity or their sexuality. Mm. I don't know. But for you to remove that for them isn't fair to them and their family. You can tell your child, you know, this is what we think about this thing. Like you have Mm. that opportunity or the parent, but who are you to take it away from another child? That's, That's really interesting. We're having yeah. a lot of problems. Yeah, right I uh, I um, interviewed a trans woman yesterday, a bit older, and uh, she's she's no you know pushover. So she was it was great to talk to her, and she was really um, steadfast in her beliefs that you know what do you guys do? What are you cis people doing? Not like that, but you know, kind of like who do you think you are to essentially take that book off the shelf for someone like me who's mm-hmm. going to mean a lot? And mm-hmm. she said when she was eleven years old um probably in their 80s shit um she um she she came across the word transvestite in a book and he's she said like oh my god like someone understands me like and so to have that to deprive that moment of someone who needs it yeah that's a good way to frame it Mm -hmm. because i had been saying you know look i mean i don't think ron DeSantis is hitler all right or trump for that matter and so, okay, he wants to, you know, tow the conservative line and get the gender identity stuff out of the schools. I didn't have a huge problem with that. But when you say it like that, and after talking to this trans woman, you know, maybe I'm convinced. Maybe maybe it's wrong to pull those books. I have to think about that more. And, and I'm sure that's where I'll come down on it. But I guess I always try to be empathetic to the conservative argument just because, you know, I recently finished law school and I did gain some empathy for conservative arguments in school. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a, this is a new thing, right? Gender, I, cis, calling people cis. And, you know, you can't say boyfriend and girlfriend anymore. You say partners because, you know, even in college, it, it's offensive. Uh, I don't know. So it's all about, like, where do you draw the lines? Um, maybe I would say, Let's let's allow people to still say boyfriend, girlfriend, but also keep the book on the shelf. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think I mean, change is hard for people. It's hard for anybody. (laughs) People might not like this answer whatever, but I think we just have to be fluid. We have to be willing to adopt our language as information changes and we learn more and become more evolved people. And if you're going to say boyfriend, girlfriend, I think people should also cut some grace and be like, you know what? That's where they are right now. Maybe they will be somewhere else down the road, but mm. yeah, I mean, whatever. It's really. tough. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that one, that one struck me. I was like, well, you can't say boyfriend, girlfriend, come on. But uh, yeah. So we don't want gender to completely disappear. And what about this JK Rowling stuff? What do you, what do you think about this? I mean, she is, uh, I guess of the opinion strongly that there is tension between trans rights and women's rights. I would not be great to speak on that because I feel like I haven't really been following okay, no the, problem. the situation with her. Yeah. So I would hate to say something wrong. Um, yeah. So I, I... What do you think about the gender bathrooms uh, signage? Oh, could it I be mean, unisex? I don't, I don't know. And like... It doesn't really matter. But these are the things that are coming up with the gender stuff. And it, it, it it's hard for conservatives uh, and, and even moderate democrats to say wait a minute oh we're we're melting down gender 
<laughs> I think that they're just like very worried about something that isn't all, I don't know, all that worrisome to me. Mm. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Cause like I, as I mentioned from the top, I have, you know, my son who's five and he's becoming more aware of boy and girl. And like when it's, when I have to take him to the restroom and we're in public spaces and we go to the women's restroom, he's like, I can't go in there. And mm. I'm like, yeah, you can, you're with me. Like you're fine. Mm. Right. And, and he even makes comments like when he was younger, he used to love painting his nails. Uh, we would, cause it's fun. It's like color on your fingers. Like right. that's cool to a kid. I mean, it's cool to lots of people. Right. Um, but now that he's getting older, he's like, mom, I can't paint my nails. Cause the girls will think I'm a girl. And I'm hmm. like, who is telling you this? That's interesting. Why are we getting like so up in a fuss over something that should be, if it brings you joy, like, why are we criticizing right. people about it? But with restrooms, I don't know. I, th I think it's just, at least in Texas, I feel like it feels like it's been a big distraction from real things that matter, like mm. I was mentioning in the beginning. Because um, a lot of the rhetoric around that was, oh, well, we're worried about men going into women's restrooms and assaulting them. And I was like, uh, where is that happening? Right. And 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 if a and if a man came into a woman's restroom and women were in there, they would be like, "What are you doing?" Like we can we can right. stand up for ourselves. Right. Don't worry. Mace's ass. <laughs> I know. It's like and if there was kids. Like I'm telling you, we would be like, uh, "Excuse me, this is mom strength. Beat your ass." Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so what about guns? What do you think about gun ownership and and the Second Amendment? And you're in Texas. How do you how do people around you feel about you know, access to assault rifles and things of that nature. I know that that it's it's coming to a boiling point and a lot of people are frustrated right now, especially after the shooting in Uvalde um, and what those families want. And I think many Texans would agree is a reasonable ask is to raise the age for buying semi-automatic weapons from 18 to 21. And that's like, that seems like a no brainer. Like if you can't buy alcohol till you're 21, why can you get a semi-automatic weapon, you know, like <laughs> weapons of war essentially. Right. And, you know, we've seen a lot of mass murders happen by people who are, who are young, who are 18. I mean, I would, if I was like in this argument, I would say you should be, I would raise the age to 25 and then try to land around 21 because, you know, your, your brain is still developing and not really uh, leveling out till you're 25 anyway. Like you're, you still have that prefrontal cortex. It's like very soft and malleable and you make very mm -hmm. emotional decisions. So I, I just think we need to get a lot more reasonable about it. And it's, it's proven that the more guns are out there, the more violent crime happens, the more gun right. death. And sadly, a lot of people that are victims to gun violence are people who own guns in their own home. And it's like domestic violence or it's suicide. So I just wish we would, some people are going to want them and that's that's their prerogative please be responsible go through proper training have like you should know what you're doing if you're going to own a weapon like that um for myself i don't want guns in the home i don't want my kids to accidentally get them and right. hurt themselves or someone else so i don't really want to live in a world where i feel like i have to have a gun to like mm -hmm. go about my life yeah but and the conservatives, they really attach, and I and I, I don't blame them. I mean, it's the part of the mythology of our country, you know, it's guns. And at any time, if the government oversteps its boundaries, you know, there's this implicit understanding that, hey, the citizens can rise up. And I have always tried to be sympathetic to, like, the Ted Nugent view where it's like, I think he said once, when you own a gun, you think differently 
about power and uh i'm i'm totally putting words in his mouth but i think that's the idea it's like you know do i buy that argument where you know if you're strapped <laughs> uh do you have a different attitude towards government and uh it just ties into the whole thing of whether we should be dependent on government or relying on government or actively trying to keep it small and out of our lives and it's just yeah what kind of country do we want to live in and, and, and what kind of country can we live in in this day and age with all this stuff happening um yeah you have the fdr uh, cons uh democrats who just believe in you know not to say it pejoratively but the welfare state and uh that you know, helping everybody—it's a Democrat versus Republican, and the Republicans say, "No, no, no, no. we got to get, we got to undo that. We got to go back to the old school, where everybody for themselves." So, have you always lived in Texas? No, I well, I've been in Austin for about ten years. Before that, I lived in the Chicago area, uh, and before that, it was like Southern Illinois. And then I, I kind of grew up a little bit all over. Uh, my dad was in the military funny enough. So mm -hmm. we, we were, we were in San Antonio, Texas and Del Rio, Texas during part of my childhood. So I have been here previously, um, but never anywhere. What about the long. immigration stuff? What about the border? Where do you come down on this and the busing of migrants? Yeah, think? I, I think I just have a big heart for these people who are in such a desperate situation that they are willing to leave the home that they grew up in and knew to go somewhere else, hoping for a better life for them and their families. And I just think we need to be smarter about finding a way for them to come legally. But it seems like the policy for the last few years have been, we're not, we're not let, letting like almost anyone come through and no policy is not an answer. And I'm sad that, you know, this used to be an issue where Republicans and Democrats did try to work together and come up with a pathway to citizenship. But now it feels like Republicans are like, America's closed. We don't want any mm. more people coming unless they're maybe like white. There's definitely some racism involved in that. And I, I, I wish it would be different. I wish that, I don't know, we could be more compassionate. We, we have a lot of space here for people still. And these are people who want to be here. And if you have that passion, you are going to make it worth your while and we will reap the benefits of having them here. I think we're better when we have a more diverse, you know, nation and, and people from different places. So mm -hmm. I'm probably like much more left than maybe some Democrats, but <laughs> no, not even. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sounds pretty, yeah. I hate to use the word standard, but yeah, that, that sounds like a democratic line to me. Yeah. I mean, I just think about myself, you know, like if I, being a mom, like what if my, what if I, all of a sudden in my city, there was, it turned into a war zone and people were bombing me. And I was like, I can't be here. I have to, I have to do something. I have to get my kids and go. I, I imagine myself in their situation. And I feel like a lot of times we just fail to imagine mm. ourselves in those places. And if we could just sit and, and think, what would I do if I was that person and mm. what would I want in return if I needed help, you know, and it's, mm. I have a lot of feelings about, you know, like the evangelical Christian, uh, whatever voting block sort of falling in, in the Republican camp, because I see a lot of, you know, Jesus's teachings being very pro caring for one another, helping, um, strangers in a strange land. So to me, it's sad that, that they don't remember 
those lessons. Yeah. What do you make of that? You know, what do you make of that? <laughs> Jesus would have been, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm no expert on Jesus, but he would have been a Democrat, a liberal Democrat today. Wouldn't he have? I think he would be in favor of policies that were helping people. Um, I, I would, I think he would be frustrated with the church and how they, I don't know. Like I grew up in a church environment and I, I wish I had seen more ministry taking care of orphans, widows, you know, people who, who really needed support. I think the church hasn't done that. And I think we were kind of sold this idea, like the government shouldn't do that because the church is going to do that, but the church mm -hmm. isn't, I mean, some are, but across the board, I mean, what are they doing? They're building like amazing mega church facilities. And you, you see a lot of this like prosperity gospel, like, mm -hmm. like, you know, just believe it and it will happen and you'll get all these riches. And, and like, yep. that's not what I think is really there. Mm. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I wish that we would see more Christians, American Christians who would tend to the needs of people first and then maybe minister to them. I feel like it's the flip side, like believe, and then we'll help you. It's, it mm. kind of feels conditional. And Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Don't love that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what did you think about Trump's presidency and his existence as a political figure? Uh, I don't know. I, initially I was like, well, okay. I think I, I understood. Did you this. watch the apprentice? I never oh yeah, did. I never I did. Watch The Apprentice. <laughs> I I honestly thought on The Apprentice that he seemed a little scatterbrained, and when he would like fire people, I couldn't track why they were getting fired. I was like, this seems like did a producer whisper in your ear, this person's got to go because it doesn't seem based on their performance. Like I never thought he was actually all that great of a judge on The Apprentice, but I did mm -hmm. enjoy that show. Um, but I think people just wanted something different. And he was so out of left field. I think a lot of people are just like exhausted by the career politician. And they were like, here's mm -hmm. this guy who's speaking differently, who just, I don't know, like, like maybe he will have some cool ideas we've never considered. But then once he was there, I feel like we started to realize the importance of experience and understanding policy and having the right people in place to make things work the way they needed to work. So I didn't uh, feel like his term was, was that bad. I mean, I mean, now I probably didn't have as visceral reaction to this, uh, separating family policy as I should have, you know, perhaps if I had a family of my own, uh, I would feel even stronger about that, but I just, you know, aside from his, and I never voted for him, but, but it's, you know, aside from his rhetoric, I, I thought he did okay. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I feel like it, um, it, it wasn't that bad for certain people. For some people, it was awful. Um, like if you were a Muslim person, you definitely had a bigger target on you because, because his rhetoric was just, it was very, I don't know. Like it was kind of insidious. Like if you weren't like him or like the people that voted for him, you weren't American. Right. Like you didn't belong here. And that, that I don't Yeah, He like bought too he, much into the idea that he is America. Yeah. And he stoked the fires of us versus them. This mm -hmm. like this, um, scarcity yeah, he did. mindset. He did. And that's really damaging. Cause now, you know, it's hard for people to, 
work across the aisle. Like, like mm-hmm. if you say, oh yeah, well, this Republican person has these policies that I do align with and I want to work with them. Like there's, I've been told, you know, by legislators in the Texas uh, Capitol that they might, they might have some things in common with, with, you know, people who are in their party, but those people are resistant to do deals because they don't like the optics of it. And their base might not like that because they're on the, they're on the opposite team. They're the enemy, like that enemy. Right. Right. Yeah. He did feed into that too much. And that's why he didn't get my vote. Well, one of the reasons the second time around, he never reached out to a guy like me and it was, it was too divide. He was divisive. Now, I don't know if he started it, but he sure as hell kept it going. He kept um, it going. And, and I think he's uh, something that is going to be a legacy we have to deal with now is him undermining democracy and saying, you know, like the voting, the votes that came mm-hmm. were tallied in 2020, weren't legitimate. Yep. And even saying that before the votes came in, I mean, he was, yeah. I don't know if I want to say smart, but his approach was effective and that he he put that piece of information out there. And then when it didn't happen the way he wanted, he said, see, I told you this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he won one, you know, quote unquote, either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really concerns me. There's just so much erosion of democracy that's happening right now. Like in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we had redistricting done in 2020. Uh, I think it was 20 or 2021, you know, you had the census and the redistricting and our, our districts now are super red and super blue. And I just think that's so bad for democracy. I mean, in the podcast yep. I launched after I ran, we dig into a lot of this into elections and what's voter suppression really mean? How are we make it harder for people to vote and why that's bad for democracy? So that's very top of mind for me right now, but yeah, I think what- he was part of that. So your podcast is available on all the all the standard players, right? Apple, Spotify, all that. Yep, yep. We're even on YouTube, so you can watch us if you want. (laughs) It's called "Go Behind the Ballot," and the idea is that we want to go behind the ballot with ballot measures and the people on the ballot, and really understand who they are, what office they're running for, and why it's important to vote. I mean, people, you just got to vote. Like Mm -hmm. that's. I think there's also a lot of. I don't know if cynicism is the right word, but just. Uh, there's a term I heard not that long ago to talk. I went to about the exhausted majority that you have people who are very much in the Republican camp and the democratic camp, but a huge amount of Americans who are just like, uh, this is ugly. I don't really want to be in there. It's too overwhelming. We're kind of hoping to talk to those folks and say, when you're ready, we're just going to explain what this, this is, and that is, and Mm -hmm. hopefully help you get your feet back in because we need you to be here or we're going to lose our democracy. Like we really will. Well, I need to tune in. I will check your, I will check it out because I think I'm, I'm one of those people that I've always voted blue and I've always voted, but, and I don't know that that'll change, but here I am in this exploratory phase. So I'm either going to double down on my blueness or (laughs) walk away. Yeah. Well, the challenge too, I mean, even with like red and blue is that so much of the people who are in power, it's, we talk about this in the podcast a lot. It's just hard to get can't good candidates to run. Like you have to be a particular mold for these offices to be accessible to you. So we get certain people in these positions who are typically wealthy because a lot of these positions don't pay anything. And if they do, it's very nominal. Like state representatives make $7,200 a year. You can't live off of that. (laughs) Yeah. And they're in session every other year 
from like January to May. So you have to have a very flexible job or be wealthy from mm -hmm. the jump. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have to have a network of people who can donate to your campaign. So a lot of times you get attorneys because they know the name of the game. They know when my friend runs, I write a check and it's easy. They're already kind of habituated to that. Um, so mm -hmm. if, if like for myself, when I was trying to, when I did run, I would call my friends and say, Hey, can you donate to my campaign? And they're like, what? Like, <laughs> this is kind of funny. My, my dad, um, he was like, wait a minute. I thought the party gives you money to run. And I was like, Oh dad, I like, <laughs> if anything, the party wants me to give them money. Like they are fundraisers for their own thing. So, right. mm. so yeah, someone like me, I mean, I raise, I don't know, like $15,000, like $50 at a time. Honestly, wow. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I it don't know how to... I did it, but yeah. <laughs> and so it goes to the party. Well, no, like what you spend your money on is, um, like literature cards, like that costs money. Signs costs money. Oh, your website that you're going to create is money. Mm -hmm. MailChimp, you know, there's a fee for that. Like uh, if you have staff, you're I didn't have staff. I had some consultants that helped me like design the mail, but um, you pay, it was a thousand dollars for van access. And that tells you where voters are. So you know, whose doors to knock on. Hmm. So it all adds up. And, and wow. <laughs> it's That's crazy. Well, good for you yeah. for, for doing that. You think you'll give it another shot somewhere down the line? I don't know. I mean, it could happen. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, I did it. So now if I, if I did it again, I would know what, what really worked and what to not spend so much time on. There's so much that just comes up when you decide to run. Like the thing that I probably hated the most was there's all these democratic clubs and they would send out questionnaires for their endorsements. So while I would be on a roll trying to fundraise, I would get an email that was like, oh, progressive area Democrats or so-and-so Democrats wants you to fill out the questionnaire and the endorsements meeting is next week and you have to be ready and be available. And I'm like, oh, I don't have time for that. And the questions be like mm. 20 questions, 50 questions. <laughs> I was mm. like, oh my God. Wow. Now, if you have staff, they do this for you, but you know, I didn't. So right. that was another thing. I mean, always just being. So what a commitment it takes for a person to step up and try to be a, a leader. Yeah. Wow. Ex exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another barrier that makes it insulates power. It makes it hard for people right. to break through. And I think that's another thing people are very frustrated by, which I completely understand because I want, I want representatives that are like me, that are moms that are teachers, but they mm -hmm. can't be because they're know, moms and teachers. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. their schedules don't allow it. You mm -hmm. know, once you are a legislator, sometimes they'll have sessions that go way late into the night. And I mean, what do you do if you have like a baby at home, like take them mm -hmm. with you? So right. uh, there's so much that needs to change, but wow. I still think people should run. I think competitive races are great because then people have more options and hopefully more folks knocking on your door and you're like, Oh, wow, like you're running cool. Like who knew right. that a, nor a normal, you know, quote, normal person could mm -hmm. run. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, I have a friend who I met on Twitter who has this theory called anti-politism or anti, yeah, something like that. And, you know, he's one of these guys that totally wants to reinvent the American political system and take away every single incentive for, <clears throat> excuse me, um, what he calls sociopaths you know, he said he thinks we have a lot of sociopaths running um, and and people who, you know, the people who are able to get themselves elected. He just thinks the system is all wrong. 
Uh, and he's a he's not a Democrat or a Republican. I think he's more of a libertarian. But I don't know. It's always I guess it's, so. something needs to change. It sounds like. But these conservative yeah. great like take Greg Abbott. Like, I guess he doesn't think anything needs to change, huh? Um, Everything's I, cool. You know, it's really strange because, yeah, he's obviously running for governor right now against Beto. And you'll see a lot of these attack ads saying like America's less or not America. Texas is less safe and we need to stay in power so we can fix these problems. And it's like um, you've been there. The Republicans have been in charge for a very long time. If there's problems that haven't been addressed like you mm -hmm. it's that's on you so yeah i mean i don't see a lot of forward-thinking vision coming from him and i think a lot of people are frustrated by that but mm. what matters at the end of the day is who votes and in texas um we just haven't been much of a voting state we, I think mm. in one of our most recent podcasts, we interviewed someone from the League of Women Voters, and she was talking about participation. And I want to say it was like at 50% of eligible voters. Mm. So we need more people to That's interesting. show up. Yeah. And, and, you know, and know what you care about and then find people who align with that and vote for them. But we need to stop having these small you know, subsets of people deciding elections. And that's what happens a lot because a lot of these politicians are decided in the primary, which has even lower turnout, lower you know voter turnout. Mm -hmm. And they're running to be the most Democratic or the most Republican. And you see a lot more extremism in their positions, which is not great because then when it gets to the general ballot, you're, you're picking between two people who, who you probably wish were more moderate, but mm -hmm. it, you got what you got because you didn't vote in the primary. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's good. Well, hopefully people are, you know, going to hear this and heed your warning. So do you think Beto has a chance? It's hard to say. I mean, I know that he's been everywhere. I mean, he's been all over the state bringing out huge crowds of people. So there's a lot of enthusiasm for him. It's just a matter of people showing up. And I think they're targeting a lot of people who are not registered to vote and younger folks. Um but at, but then, I mean, it's such a, it's Texas. it's Texas and it's just complicated. Like as I'm learning through my podcast about elections, how like on there's some campuses around the state that used to have polling locations and those in charge of running elections are closing those down. And it feels like, is this intentional? Like you don't want these students to vote because you think they might not vote the way you want them to vote. Like mm. that's the thing that gets me upset is, is intentionally pushing people out and discouraging them right. from having that's, their say like, let them have yeah. their say yeah. yeah and if he wins fair and square good for him but we shouldn't be rigging the game which i think people right. feel and they just get so defeated by mm -hmm. yeah well that's fair yeah and trump you know trump picks up on on those fragments of truth and kind of forms it into his own weapon and now you have a lot yeah. of people who just think everything is is rigged Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is like, I, uh, went to this event like, a few weeks back to Texas Tribune festival, and there was a panel we attended called on the ballot talking about election fraud and how there was a guy, I think he was in Colorado. He was like, I'm going to expose election fraud. I'm going to become an election worker and I'll show them. And when he became an election worker and went through the training process, he realized how hard it is to cheat, to like vote twice or whatever, vote under a false name. 
and he, and it made him a believer like wow we actually do have a pretty good system in place hmm. and it's like that those are the stories we need to be telling people absolutely if if you want to yeah like if you want to make sure fraud's not happening be an election worker like you can do it this is a it's not like a secret Step up. job yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> yeah what a crazy time we're in i mean i don't know if times always feel crazy i'm sure to some extent they do but man we did this just feels like we're at each other's throats in this country hopefully it'll just de-escalate and but but there's so much with with biden who i think does a good job and we have a minute left here but you know i respect the way he can he conducts himself and uh and all of that um yeah nonetheless there's turmoil in the world and there's fear there's fear about nuclear war man Totally. And well, that's why I'll bring it back. Like, I think candidates really matter. We need candidates who have integrity and who are willing to collaborate, you know, not people with these terrible scandals. Like we need good candidates who are open-minded and can work with one another regardless of their party. Like that's what I think most folks really want is someone who's going to listen and be willing to change their mind if there's new information. Right. Not some ideologue. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not about like, I'm going to raise my hand for my team. It's like, I'm going to be a real critical thinker and do what's best for my community. That's what people want. That's what I want. Yeah. Amen. That's fantastic. That's a great place to leave it, Claire. Um, So your podcast is behind the ballot. Go behind the ballot. Go behind the ballot. Action oriented. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Nice. Well, that's available on YouTube, as you say, and all other podcast players. So I advise everyone to check that out. I'm going to do that myself because I need that. All right, my free Zoom session cut out at that time, but thanks so much to Claire for joining me. It was a real pleasure. Claire, thank you. And to all my listeners, thank you guys so much, and I'll see you next week. Take care.